I took a personality test. The results came back negative. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that wasn't even a pity laugh. I, and I feel like it should have been, but I just, Aww. I like your jokes too much. Aww. I don't have a personality <laughs> Okay, let's, yeah, start, yeah, let's right. start the podcast. Good morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, whenever you may be finding this. This is the one hour a week podcast, a 30-minute podcast about life and ministry. I am Rusty Mott, along with the one and the only Mr. Jared Hall. You're hey, what everybody. Up? I'm here. He's here. We are recording live from the friendly (laughs) confines of Cornerstone Baptist Church's conference room. We are glad to be with you today. Episode 11. We have made it all the way past double digits, and now we're just ticking along week to week, talking with you about what God is doing in our lives, life, and ministry. It's what it's all about. want to just say thank you to all of our listeners who've been with us from the beginning and those who've joined us along the way. We really appreciate the encouragement, the texts, the phone calls, the comments, the likes, the retweets, the social medias, all that stuff. You just rattled off all of them too. I think you only left out Instagram, Zanga, MySpace. Yeah. What was the one you made? Witchadoozle. That was the one you made up. Check us out on witchadoozle.org. Yeah, so... Good times, man. Week 11, we're really glad to have you here. Yes, and and thanks. I echo the thanks. Thanks to everybody, especially you, mom. She's not listening, but... You know, I thought my mom might would say, I am listening. Guess what? She didn't. So mom's not even listening. So that means that the couple hundred people of you who are, are not my mom. That's actually encouraging to me. Because I figured at least 150 of those were your mom and my mom just repeat. repeating it yeah. over and over again. So, Or it might be one guy who doesn't know how to stop it from playing. <laughs> He's on this a loop. Dad Burn podcast? <laughs> Ugh, technology. <laughs> That's why nobody's... Anyway. Well, hey, we've got a unique episode for you today. Kind and of a hard episode. It, it is, even though in some ways you could think we're phoning this in when you're listening to it. We wanted to kind of intentionally do this today, and we're probably going to do this every 10 episodes or so, have kind of a time for us just to give some scattershot ideas and things that the Lord is teaching us and maybe some struggles that we have just to kind of talk to you peer to peer and friend to friend, brother to brother, brother to sister. We just want you to Uh, understand and know that when we talk to you every week about whatever topic it is we're talking about, we are not coming at those topics as the authority, as the expert, as the people who have all of their stuff together. We're still figuring things out on a regular basis. In fact, one of the reasons we do this podcast is to try to work through some of those things. There have been weeks that I've listened to our podcast and then that week heard somebody say something a billion times better and think, you know what? I don't know if I'd have been listening the same had we not had the conversation. So I hope that you are not coming to us just to learn about all these things. Hopefully you are starting to think about these things with us and just like us, you are growing as we go together. Yeah, and Rusty and I were talking last week just kind of in preparation for this episode. And one of the ways he put it was, it's kind of like the preacher who always tells the story in his sermon and he always looks like the hero of every every illustration that he has. We wanna be real mindful not to be that guy. We want to be careful not to put up the appearance as though we think we have it figured out. If you come to us and listen to it and you think, man, those guys do have it figured out, that 
okay, you're wrong, but that's fine. You can think that, but we don't want to put ourselves out there as though we think that way. So part of this is just kind of a humility check for us to make sure that we recognize there is sometimes some authority attached to when you record something and put it out there or write a blog post, people just kind of automatically assume that it's coming from a position of authority. We recognize that and we're trying to deflate that as much as possible. And so that's what this episode is about. It's gonna be about us just, like Rusty said, talking about some things that we're still learning and struggling with and working on. And so it may seem a little disjointed. It'll be some back and forth on a broad spectrum of topics here for the next few minutes. But that's our goal is to remind all of us, ourselves especially, that we're still in the trenches and we're still figuring this thing, these things out too. So you're gonna go first? No. I'm too nervous. This is terrible. I'm too nervous. Yeah, I will. I'll go first. Okay. And as I was writing down these thoughts and thinking about them earlier this week before we get to today, I was a little bit embarrassed, I'll be honest, because I feel like the things I still struggle with are not very different than when I first started in this Christianity thing. You know, It's almost like there's part of me that thinks, okay, you should be over some of these things by now. But I guess that's just my flesh and just it just shows how deep these seeds run. And so these aren't high and holy struggles. These are pretty basic and elementary things that I'm still struggling with. And the first one I'll bring up is I am still not over the fact that the things that immediately make me happy and the things that draw me closer to God's holiness are not the same thing. That there's still a difference between what, pleases me in the moment and what God is calling me to, that I still have to make conscious decisions to deny my flesh or deny my immediate satisfaction to do something different. One way that I was talking to, I think Elizabeth about a month ago or so about this thing is that I still have knee-jerk reactions that I wish weren't the case, that I'm longing for the day that my knee-jerk reaction is the right reaction, but I'm not there yet. And so just that that disconnect between what makes me immediately happy and what holiness looks like in my life. Yeah, that's a struggle that I think everybody deals with. And when, as just as you were saying it, my mind immediately went to the Bible, a verse that I've preached a couple times. And that's the only reason I know this. It's not because I have the entire Bible memorized, but Psalm 119, 36. And it says, incline my heart to your testimonies. And basically the reason we have to pray that to God is because the natural inclination of our heart, the natural bent of our heart is towards us all the time. And I catch myself going through life, living like I'm the main character of a movie that's about me. Yeah. And so of course my natural reactions are all about me. My decisions are all about me. And I forget the end game. I forget that I'm actually not a big deal at all. It's just difficult to do. Uh, so man, that struggle is something that, that I deal with as well. While we're talking about the Psalms, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so part of the struggle is that I know in my head that ultimate happiness is holiness, that ultimately obedience to God and doing the things he wants me to do, ultimately, eventually, all the only words you can attach to that that's what true happiness does look like. But my flesh is still so strong and my desires immediately before I have the, the chance to stop and think or pause or take a breath before I make a decision or have a reaction or have a response or make the decision, whatever it is, the immediate response is still this, the temptation to gratify the desires of my flesh and not to pursue holiness immediately. And so there's, there's not only the, the struggle that there's a difference between happiness and holiness, but also there's kind of, a little bit of guilt involved in that. I'm still trying to convince myself that holiness is happiness. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. That I still have to, my head knows it and my and I I trust the word when it says those kinds of things, but I'm still trying to convince my heart of that. And so it is just a, a constant ongoing battle that I have to choose holiness and it feels like I'm sacrificing happiness, but I have to trust that that's not actually what's happening. But I'm laying down momentary fleeting happiness for a happiness that's much bigger than that I may be even aware of right now. Well, moving on to our next thing, and this is on my list of things that I'm learning, things that I'm actually struggling with. And this is, again, a very basic thing. Uh, so some of you may be like, I'm never listening to these cats again. That's like Christianity 101 and they're Girl, failing. Uh, but uh, hey, that's just where we're at. For me, struggling to pray instead of worry is still kicking my tail. I will worry myself to death and pray very, very little. And at the end of the day, what that reveals is that I have more confidence in me than I do the Lord. I think about what I can do to fix a situation that I find myself in but I don't spend time asking God for the wisdom, for the insight, for the discernment needed to fix problems. Prayer is just a struggle all the way around. That's probably its own episode for us to talk about at some point in time. But I find myself not praying until I get in absolute sheer moments of desperation. And I wonder what would my life look like if I took Philippians 4 seriously that says, don't worry about anything Instead, pray about everything. How much different would my spiritual life look as a pastor and as a leader of my family? What would that look like if I prayed instead of worried? Because I'm a worrier. If you know that about me, those of you listening who know me personally, and maybe you could just tell by listening to me on the podcast, I am an anxious person. I'm always worked up about something. I am always thinking slash overthinking about something. And it it literally will drive me and my family and my friends nuts, but they love me enough to hang out with me anyways. Uh, But I do a lot of worrying and a lot of thinking that even I probably wouldn't categorize as worry, but it is worry if you really get down to it. So I'm trying to be a little more intentional about praying more and seeking the face of the Lord more. I'm struggling to write a sermon this week and I'm still not done with it. And Yesterday, I was sitting there like, oh, I can't, oh man. And then finally, I was like, you know what? This is just gonna be an afternoon of prayer and just tried to set aside a chunk of time to pray and still don't have a sermon, but I'm just trusting <laughs> in the Lord and I'm, not, I'm just gonna keep praying when I think about it and trust for him to come through when the time's right, so. Well, we've talked about before that we feel the need to prove ourselves with productivity. We need to put our hands to something to feel like we're doing a good job. And if we're being honest, prayer does feel like inactivity. Yeah, it doesn't feel productive. It's funny you say that and we'll just kind of lump this in okay. together. My second thing on my list is that I value, I find my value in productivity yeah. instead of in Christ. I well, find if I haven't accomplished enough, then I don't feel like I've done anything that day. And you're exactly right. Prayer does not feel productive in our culture. And we even say that when somebody has a crisis come up or a problem that arises, we'll say something along the lines of, well, I'll pray for you, but is there anything else I can be doing? As though prayer is the afterthought. All, I, all we can do is pray about it, as if that's a small deal. Right, Brit, as, you know, bringing a casserole over for dinner is more helpful than prayer. But it does feel more productive to do something physical. And for some reason, this, like I said earlier, we know in our heads, but we have to convince our hearts and our attitudes that what could possibly be more productive or beneficial than calling on the God of the universe to intervene and do something miraculous by his power instead of me 
shoveling sand or baking a cake or coming and patting you on the back saying, there, there. Why is that? What do you, again, probably a whole another episode to talk about that, about yeah. prayer. But I'm just trying to pray more, try to add prayer more to my life and, and see what that looks like. So what else? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, go for it. So do you feel the pressure to be productive from other people or do you think that's coming from yourself? I thought one of the most insightful things that came out of Mallory and Liz doing the podcast with us is when we asked them about, do they feel pressure being a pastor's wife? Mm -hmm. And both of them said, you know, for the most part, we put the pressure on ourselves. And I was like, yeah, I'll be praying for y'all in that. (laughs) But I've been thinking about it ever since. And I realized that so much of the pressure that I feel is probably self-imposed that I've put this pressure on me. There are some who probably feel like I'm not doing enough around the church, but guess what? They're not people in leadership. They're not people who actually know. And you probably don't hear about it very much. No, and most people who do know me and who do actually are on the inside and they know what's going on, they tell me to slow down. Yet I feel like there's a mob of people out there saying, preacher, do more, right. do more. And in all actuality, that's not the case. So it's it's difficult, but I, I just want to find my value in my standing with Christ. And it goes back to the end of the day, what I'm doing is seeking to please people instead of please God. And that's uh, that's kind of, it's part of this same discussion, but that's probably one of the biggest personal struggles I have is I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I want people to be happy. I want people to like me. I want everyone to be okay. And it, it kind of works itself into the consumer mentality of the church. I want everybody who's at our church to be happy right. and to be content with me as their pastor. And I want them all to think that I'm, and at the end of the day, working really, really hard to please people is simply idolizing myself over God because I want people to have a good opinion of me and it becomes more important to me that people think well of the pastor instead of thinking well of God. And uh, it's a dangerous place to be. And you also, it's an impossible task because people are literally unpleasable. You're not gonna be able to do it. There's always gonna be somebody that's upset at you. And you almost become like the manager of Chick-fil-A where you find yourself just running around you know, smiling at everybody. How are you doing? Can I refill your cup? Can I get you more sauce? Can I take your tray? And you just wear yourself out trying to make everybody happy. But that's not our job. Our job as the pastor is not to run around and please all the people. It's to spend some time in prayer, spend some time in service, spend some time visiting people, and then spend a lot of time praying and studying and preaching the word. And so, yeah, we do have to be careful not to become people pleasers even though that is one of the biggest struggles for every pastor. I don't think there's a pastor in the world who would say, I don't have that difficulty trying to find the balance between pleasing people and pointing people to God. Because again, it just goes back to, that's a provable, tangible success. You can point at that and say, I made these people happy for this stretch of time and spiritual growth doesn't lend itself to being measured. I want to share something I tweeted out not long ago, and I don't even remember the article this came from, but this was something very important for me and something I've clung to in the past month or so. This says two vital truths for the people pleaser. And it says, number one, not everyone will love me. And number two, those who do love me will never love me the way I crave to be loved. Mm. No person can feed that insatiable appetite, but Mm. God can. And that basically... I'm looking for approval in people and I'm looking for people to do what only God can do. And it wrecks me constantly and it destroys 
my ministry. It destroys my day-to-day living because I'm trying to find, and it, and it ruins my relationships too. Because at the end of the day, wives make terrible gods. Deacons and elders make terrible gods. Churches make terrible gods. Friends make terrible gods because none of them can be what you need them to be. But it frees you to be a great pastor, a great husband, a great friend, a great church member when you find your value and worth in Christ and your relationship with him and your standing with him. And then everything else comes out of the overflow of that. So I'll be honest, I I can preach that pretty well, Mm -hmm. but every single minute of every single day, it's a struggle. It's funny you use that phrase, they make terrible gods. I just finished reading Jared Wilson's book, The Storytelling God. It's an overview of Jesus' parables. I think you've read it, correct? I've read portions of it. If you're listening, Jared, sorry. Jared Wilson. Jared Wilson. I really enjoyed it. And by the way, I tweeted at him and said, is there such a thing as holy jealousy? Because that book gave me, I'm jealous of his ability to string passages of scripture together but it also inspired me to be a better student of the word and he's he's really good. Anyway, he says in that book uh, that, yeah, exactly those words. He said that we take God's gifts and they make terrible gods with a little G. So it's just uh, yeah, good job using Jared Wilson's words. Uh, Romans one is actually, so he's using Paul's words that we worship the- Again, I should read the Bible. Yeah. You should check that out, man. Hang on, let me add to my you list. You think Jared of Wilson's good? <laughs> Try the Bible. The Apostle Paul, that dude could kill <laughs> it. Solid. Uh, he also links scripture in a really incredible you know, way. <laughs> I'm just what I'm learning is um, that I hate Rusty. So be sure and join me next week for 15 minutes a week. <laughs> the Jared Hollier podcast. <laughs> Churches have church splits. What would happen if we had a podcast? Just split? me versus you. 15 hours a week. Uh, I work so much. The other thing I have on my list of struggles here, or another thing I should say, um, is that something I've been learning especially hard in the last two weeks is that most of my discontentment in different areas of my life comes exclusively from me playing the comparison game. I am most dissatisfied for the things that I have when I'm looking at somebody else's stuff. And for me, it's not physical stuff. I I have no desire to have a bigger house or a nicer car. I'm just not a material driven person. But for me, it's, there is some ministry stuff involved and some success and opportunity stuff involved. And especially I found in relationships, friendships, I'll confess in my marriage with my family, my kids in very personal relationships, I find myself having moments of dissatisfaction, especially when I'm looking at somebody else's situation. Now, we've talked before about social media. You know, when you're looking at Instagram, you're looking at somebody's highlight reel when you know all of your own blooper footage. And that highlights the problem even more drastically is when you see their best and you know your own worst. But what I found is that when I look at Facebook, when I look at Instagram, when I spend too much time talking to other people about their situations and comparing what I know about myself and my situation to them, that makes me really dissatisfied and really discontent. And that is a direct result of me taking my eyes off of the gifts that I have and the giver of those gifts. And when I take my eyes off of Jesus as the giver of the good gifts I have, then that makes me a discontented Christian and that's problematic. Yeah, we we said this a couple of weeks ago. No, this is a such an old saying that there's I don't know who to attribute it to, but comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, Elizabeth says it was Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay, I think is who she attributed it to. Don't uh, I'm pretty sure that 
the Will Ferrell movies have attributed quotes to her too, but it's been <laughs> this is true. Maybe that's crass. where Elizabeth, no, Elizabeth got it from. Well, speaking but, of, but of crass true. comedians, uh, a quote that I saw online recently was from the comedian Louis C.K. from his TV show. I don't recommend watching it, by the way. I just saw this picture with this quote online. But he's having a conversation with his daughter and he says to her, the only time you should look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure they have enough. You don't look in your neighbor's bowl to see if you have as much as them. Mm. See, so crass comedians yeah. even can bring truth. So yeah, even but, a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then. But that's what I find myself doing is looking in somebody else's bowl and going, well, why don't I have what they have? Yeah. Which goes directly against what Paul tells us about spiritual gifts. And you can apply this principle to all gifts. But when Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, he says, you know, the hand can't say to the foot or maybe it's the foot says to the hand or the eye says to the ear, well, I don't have what you have, so I'm not a part of the body. And I have preached that very thing when I talk about spiritual gifts, but I do it with other gifts, with my family, with my ministry, with my job, with whatever, is I'll look at somebody else and go, well, I don't have what they have, so I feel pretty crappy about it. And I think people find themselves going one of two directions when they find themselves in that situation. When you've compared yourself to someone else and you're inadequate, you either, number one, like you said, just feel real cruddy and Mm -hmm. just down yourself and, oh, woe is me. I'll never be as good and awesome. And I've really got the short end of the stick. Or number two, you start trying to chop them down, at least in your head and the way you perceive them, the way you talk about them. And it's a, it's a really terrible thing because I've, I think I've been in the position before where I felt people doing that to me, kind of criticizing and, and I feel like it's probably coming from that place right. and it bothers me so bad. But then when I stop, I realize, man, I do that to all kinds of people. Yeah. And it's usually not people I know personally, by the way. Uh, there's nothing better than a group of pastors getting together and talking crud about some famous pastor. Bad mouth in the conference speakers. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's literally, it's, and I think it probably sometimes flows from that jealousy that's there somewhere deep within. And I'm thankful, especially in our among our group of friends, usually when we're doing that, one of us, and it's not, like I said, one, one of us not being yeah, me it's neither you, us. One, yeah, <laughs> we're the guys like, yeah. Give it to it. We got our pitchforks, Ugh. but somebody will be there to say, yeah, but I'll be honest, part of it is just, he's really good. And it bothers me that I'm not that. And then you Rusty know? and Jared are like, oh, you too? <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> yeah, so it's, well, the it's other, tough. The other thing I want to avoid in those situations is sometimes you'll say something like that. Well, I don't have it as good as that guy. And somebody will try to make me feel better by saying, yeah, but there's somebody out there who's jealous of you. I don't want that to be this the salve for that wound. Yeah. I don't want to be satisfied with what I have just because I'm ahead of somebody else. I want to be content with what I have, period, mm-hmm. because I have good gifts from a good giver and I just want to be satisfied with that without p- comparing myself to anybody on either end of the spectrum, whether they're ahead of me and I feel bad or behind me and I feel better. Like forget comparing myself to anybody in any situation. I just want to be able to look at what I have and say, God, thanks. I'm going to do the best I have with it. I want to be there. That's what I aspire to be there. And that's the struggle that I'm having. Our joy and contentment shouldn't be based on our position in comparison to others. It should be based on our position with Christ. I have a whole theory of, of this, by the way, about this is why reality TV is so popular is because I can watch hoarders and my house is a mess, but I can go, Hey, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. <laughs> Those people, am I right? Yeah, that's in my head. I have a whole book yeah. written on this thing, but that's why we are convinced. We can watch The Bachelor and go, my wife's crazy, but she's not that crazy. 
And that's why we love to watch it. I'm laying out intentionally because <laughs> yeah. my wife is not crazy. She's amazing. Oh, well. I love you, baby. My wife. Let's talk about Liz. She's insane. Just kidding. I'm if not. you listened to the episode a couple weeks ago, <laughs> you know who the <laughs> you know who the normal ones are in those hey, relationships. <laughs> Did Mallory like listening to the podcast she was on? Uh, she here's probably her reaction is probably equivalent to when we said, "How do you feel about it?" I'm pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. That's kind of was her response. By the way, that episode got as many listens as anything else yeah. we've done. People were really intrigued to have some different folks on there. And then everybody quit listening. So by now, we're basically just talking to ourselves with microphones. But hey, I'm all for it. I'm having a good time. So one more struggle to share, and then we'll bring this thing home. Uh, and this one is also kind of insanely personal, but I think it's relevant for ministry and probably not something we want to talk about for 30 minutes. So we'll just kind of land the plane on this. Health has been a struggle for me since I've been in ministry, particularly since I've come to Coontz and have been a pastor the last Southeast Texas, five years. Yeah, Southern Baptist Church. Came back to live close enough where granny and mom could make all my favorite foods. And mm. uh, it's not their fault, but just everything that happens with busyness and schedule and all of that, it seems the things that take the back burner are taking care of myself physically. So I know there are probably a lot of other pastors that are out there like me who struggle with that, but it's gotten to a point for me, I realized about halfway through this week, and I don't feel good about half the time. I'm exhausted all the time. I'm tired. I I'm, don't ever have energy. Like, I don't know what that used to be, you know? So <laughs> I, I just kind of had a realization. In fact, yesterday during my prayer time, that's why prayer works, by the way, instead of just saying, what's wrong with me talking to the Lord? And I feel like he just kind of revealed some things to me that I need to work on. So I've been the past six months trying to eat a little healthier and lose some weight. I've lost like 10, 15 pounds in six months. So uh, just a real manageable pace. <laughs> 15, 20 years, I'm going to be in excellent shape. But but trying to get serious about what I'm eating and also, even if I don't lose a bunch of weight, but at least to get start doing some exercise so I can get some energy back and just try to take care of myself physically to be a good steward of my health. And pastors, that can be a struggle for a lot of you. I just know that because I have conversations with you and I feel like I can speak to this. And that's, like I said, maybe, again, we've probably introed three or four potential episodes for the future, but yeah. I've, I've probably lost more weight than a lot of people even weigh uh, over time, you know? <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that it's a constant struggle and just like anything else, it takes discipline and intentionality. So uh, health is something you need to, be serious about if you're not. So perhaps you're like me and you just needed this uh, three or four minute conversation about doing something. So You don't have to poke me in the belly while you're talking in your microphone, Rusty. <laughs> sorry, Jerry. I get it. Sorry, it sorry. Taken. No, we, anyways, it's, it's something I'm really working on. And hey, talking about it on the podcast brings a little accountability with that. You know, so if you see me a year from now and I've still just continued <laughs> to gain weight, you could be like, hey, remember that one four minute stint where you talked about health on the podcast? <laughs> Go listen to episode 11. Feel free to throw that in my face. Elizabeth pulled out some old wedding pictures. Our anniversary was last weekend. 12 years we've been married. It's crazy, and man. And she pulled out some pictures from when we were dating. And I remember in college, I gained, you know, the freshman 20, right? Uh, and thinking I was fat. And I told her, I held up the picture and said, I wish I was this fat again. <laughs> yeah. Because that was 20 pounds ago at yeah. least. So, yeah. Alas, you get old, you get fat, but 
I'm with you. We got to do something about Comparison it. Comparison is the thief of joy. So you know what? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna look at skinny people and say, "Hey, you healthy person." Instead, you're gonna hang out with me. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Comparison is the bringer of joy in this case. Oh my goodness. But well, hey, we've talked about a lot of things today, and I hope it's been beneficial for you. I know it has seemed random and kind of scattered, but we, again, just wanted you to hear our hearts. And this is good for us just to share what's going on in our hearts and minds on occasion. So we have brought up several topics that we'll talk about on future episodes. But one topic we already have plans to talk about is different personalities in ministry. Last week, we were having a good conversation about different personality types that we know serving in different occupations and different roles in churches. And so on an upcoming episode, I think in two or three weeks, Rusty and I are both going to take a personality test on the podcast. We're gonna talk about it before. We're gonna hit the pause button, go take the test and then come back in with a friend of ours uh, right here in the area who has a psychology degree and a counseling background. And we're gonna talk about our results And so what we want you to do between now and then is take one of those tests yourself, something like the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram, one of those tests, and then send us the results and we'll talk about your results. We're gonna talk about you on our podcast and just uh, spend some time discussing different uh, personalities that can work in ministry. God uses all kinds of people and all kinds of personalities. And so take one of those tests, send us the results. We're gonna take the test with each other in the room and probably just laugh our heads off I'm excited to take this thing. Rusty's a little nervous. A little nervous. I, I don't want <laughs> I don't want my greatest fears to be confirmed. And those fears are that I am a complete basket case. You're a mess. Like it is I'm a mess. Here it is in writing. It together. And I, yeah, I just already kind of know that, but I don't want like a piece of paper that's like, it's official. We will put more information about how to where to take the test, what test we're going to take, how much it costs, and where we want you to send the results if you're interested in doing that. Hey, if somebody wants to sponsor the podcast and pay for us to take the test, we'll oh, let you. Oh, snap. We'll give we'll, you plugs for a month if you'll pay for us to take these tests. Otherwise, it's going to come out of our podcast account, which yeah. is Rusty's credit card. <laughs> exactly. The actual cost of the... One of the tests is 50 bucks. One of them is $12. And we're probably going to do the $12 one unless somebody <laughs> wants to pony up. And anybody? Any unless, takers? It, unless anyone wants to see how messed up we really are. Imagine this. Welcome to One Hour a Week, a 30-minute ministry podcast brought to you by your business here. Uh, hey, that could be you. I love that business, especially <laughs> there. Insert product here. <laughs> and they've got a great deal on, insert product here. Services. So you really should check out Insert Business here. That could be you. That could be you. Think about it. So we just threw it out there at 100 bucks a month for advertisers. Oh, that seems a little steep. Well, listen, when, you have, a week. when you have tens of listeners oh, on a weekly man. basis that you could reach out to. We could do a GoFundMe. We need everybody to throw a quarter <laughs> into Go the fund pot. Me. That's another episode that I don't want to do because we'd lose listeners, but stop it. Just keep an eye out at your local Valero stop station. Stop it, crowdfunder. Hey, youth groups. <laughs> no. Stop standing at the intersection with the bucket. Get out there and do something. Just keep an eye out at your local Valero station for a plastic bucket with a hole cut in the top and our picture, one hour a week podcast, <laughs> take to the front of it. So thank you for listening <laughs> to the one hour a week podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Hour a week pod. Check us out online at www.hourweekpodcast.com. Send us an email at hourweekpodcast at gmail.com. Follow Rusty on Twitter at bro Rusty Mott. Follow me at Jared Holger. Follow us at hour a week pod. So you got the podcast on there twice, but we really want you to follow us. We want you to follow us, unfollow us, follow us hey, again. What about 
a certain question mark Twitter account audio producer. What was that? What's what's Pat Overstreet's handle again? I don't remember. Is this Pato? Ain't that Pato? No, I'm pretty sure it is this Pato. Thank you, Pat Overstreet. By the way, Pat had a little uh, surgical. He had some knee editing done this week. (laughs) No? Okay, Pat, if you're not comfortable with that joke, just edit it right out of the podcast. But if you want to roll with it, man, do it. Follow Pat Overstreet. Thanks, man. Is this Pato? Is this Pato? We hope you've had a wonderful week. And we are actually en route to an amazing activity. We're going to go to a Houston Astros game tonight. You're listening on Monday. We're recording on a Friday. We're headed to the Astrodome. So there you go. We're not going to the Astrodome. It's Minute Maid Park. Astrodome closed about 12 years ago. And they actually asked us to sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at the seventh inning. I didn't get that invite. <laughs> okay, that's me and my other podcast partner. Oh, Daniel Beck. Beck, no. We're going to sing the National Anthem. It's going to be... Most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Drop the mic.